0: the Skinny Podcast,
1: only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the weekly potpourri edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor. With my man, Rick Broering, we touch on subjects of local interest, some national stuff, and even something wacky at the end or two. I'm looking forward to seeing what we've got on the docket today. As always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet. Rick?
0: skinny the big news of the week the Bengals have agreed to a contract extension with wide receiver tyler boyd the team and boyd agreed to a four-year 43 million dollar extension which puts the wide receiver under contract through the 2023 season Boyd was set to be a free agent after the 2019 season. He led the team last year in receptions and receiving yards despite missing two games. He also tied for the team lead in touchdown receptions with John Ross. My question for you is, do you think the Bengals made the right decision to sign Tyler Boyd for four years, $43 million?
1: I do. Um, I think they'd earmark the money for that. I I think fans a lot of times, and I, I think you and I talked about this when we were in free agency, I know people want the Bengals to make these splash free agent signings just because it's different um, because they see other teams do it. But but they have been good. And look, you can think what you what you want about the way that they run the organization, and I'm not a big fan of the way they, they do things either. Um, the, the track record of the last three decades suggests that, that they're not doing things correctly a lot of times. But they've done a really good job over the last few years, maybe decade or so, of identifying players they want to keep and basically keeping them. And I think Tyler Boyd this past season, showed that he's emerging into a solid number two receiver. And I think there's gonna be some money left over for AJ Green. You know, we we talked to Mike Brown about that. We talked to Zach Taylor about that. We talked to Duke Tobin about that on Tuesday. All signs seem like they want to get something done. We've talked to AJ about that. And AJ I think wants to get something done. Um, I would even think AJ could even do it at a bit of a discount because he wants to stay. Um, you know, not a huge discount, but enough of a discount where he's not gonna he's not gonna ask to break the bank and, and make this a, a a long drawn out negotiation. So I think the first first things first were the Tyler Boyd signing is probably easier. I think you know AJ's in a market where I think Julio Jones is still up for a deal. Um, there's another top flight wide receiver too, and maybe you kind of let the market settle there before you see where things go. I think the Tyler Boyd market is about where. He signed for, and uh, it is interesting, man. I I wrote a piece about this. I mean, I I can still remember that Thursday night game two years ago, his second year, when he was made inactive. He was a healthy scratch, and it was almost...
0: Everyone's like, what?
1: "What?" Yeah, what's going on there? Well, there he was on Monday talking about it, and... Um, yeah, I had a couple sources at the time say that some of it dealt with practice habits. You know, about a month later, it came out he was in his car was involved in an accident where they found some drug paraphernalia and and some liquor behind, and it turned out supposedly a friend drove it. The charges were all dropped, but it all the timing of all that just seemed very odd. It gets benched. And he wasn't even playing much even after he came back from that bench. He didn't play much the next couple of games. I think he had four catches over the next three games. And then came that story. And then he got hurt. And then he came back and didn't play well for a few games. And then he had the last two games of that year, and especially that catch in Baltimore where, all right, maybe light bulb's going back off. And then he had a great offseason last year watching him in, in OTAs, watching him in training camp, and it turned into the regular season. Um, he was consistent. He had three catches in at least, at least three catches in every game he played last year. Um, and I'll tell you what, I thought he was really good in the press conference. Most of the time, most press conferences, for me, I just roll my eyes at 99.9% of it. But I thought he really was grateful. I think this is not a guy that's going to take this and sit back and go, all right, I've made it, I'm done. Um, I think he understands the, the, the responsibility that comes with, with a deal like this. Um, so I, I do. I think it's a win for everybody. And I think it, it, it sews up, at the very least, if somehow you don't get something done with A.J. Green. Tyler Boyd proved last year, he's a 1a-ish receiver I'm, I'm never gonna look at him as a as a major star but man it's hard to sneeze at, at, at 76 catches for a thousand yards when AJ Green had pretty good numbers in the eight games he played last year across from you and then suddenly when everybody got hurt you were you and Joe Mixon were the only two weapons left and you still were producing so it, it I, I think it was good I, and I'm, I'm glad for him he seems like a guy that Maybe he wasn't getting it that second year. Maybe maybe he needed all that wake-up call, the way, the benching, the, the, the police scare, all of that stuff um, to wake up. But I'll give him this. He's, he's, he's awakened.
0: I think a lot of times we look at these situations when you're talking about re-signing free agents, especially NFL. You start talking about kind of crazy money, and people are quick to be like, it's not my money. I don't care. Resign the guy. Just get it done. But I think, especially when you're talking about a second-tier guy like this, where you're you are spending a good bit of change, and you still got to resign AJ Green, meaning you're going to dedicate a lot of money to that wide receiver position. And oh, by the way, John Ross will be due if you want to keep him in the future. Like there's there's more guys that have to be signed from that pool of money. So if you're going to make this commitment, I think you have to be certain that you believe are. in Tyler Boyd, and, I, and and he's he's legit. And last year wasn't just oh, he got extra opportunities because guys went down and he made the most of it in a contract year. You had to be sure that he is that guy going forward. And I'm with you. I think he is. Um, He showed us a lot last year, both when A.J. Green was healthy and he was was still taking a lot of pressure off A.J. Green, making the most of the attention that A.J. was drawing away from him. Then when A.J. went out and the attention was all on him, he was still able to get it done. So I I really like Tyler Boyd and his future with the Bengals. And I also think – you, when you have a position group that is a strength for you, like the wide re, wide receiver position group is looking, it, 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 for le- the Bengals. at least
1: the first two guys, I right? Mean, at least I, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd. We still the jury's way out on John Ross. Sure, but if you have
0: two guys that you feel very good about in the NFL, that's a pretty good receiving core. you yeah. can kind of play with the other pieces. And that's
1: the thing everybody talks about. I mean, bottom line is you don't you need more than just one great receiver. I, I mean, as great as Antonio Brown was in in Pittsburgh. Um, for a period of time, he had Le'Veon Bell, and again, I know he wasn't a receiver, but he also had Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, you you, you got to have multiple guys, multiple weapons that defenses have to respect, and now you have two, and if John Ross becomes a third, and then you got Mixon on top of it, and a, and a healthy Tyler Eifert, you got you got some weapons moving forward.
0: Yeah, I don't think there is any reason when you have something that looks like a strength, it's young guys that have right. been committed to your program that understand your system. Even though you're changing coaches and everything, th- these are guys that have sort of bought into whatever philosophy – has gone well, and they, they've they been good guys in the locker room. They've they've worked the, out the right way with their teammates. I think there's no reason to break that up when you're confident in their their ability. Yeah, the other
1: thing, I asked Zach Taylor this on Tuesday, because it, it impressed uh, me and impressed some of the other people that cover the team. Um, you know, he's in this, this was obviously a contract year. I mean, at the end of this year, he was a free agent. Guys get into that sometimes, and when you go through some of the, you know, some of the voluntary offseason stuff, the OTAs, some of the voluntary camps. Now there is a mandatory camp that if you don't show up for the mandatory camp or participate in the mandatory camp, if you're healthy, then they can fine you for that. But the other stuff is all it is all voluntary. Now voluntary has quotation marks around it, right? right. But still, they, but, they can't do. There's no repercussions other than they can look and go, you're not our kind of guy. Other than that, that's about it. They, they can't do anything to you. And guys sometimes make that business decision of man I ain't going out there and getting hurt. Well, I I especially when you this. just
0: proved yourself and Correct. you're waiting on a contract.
1: Correct. And he did that. And Zach Taylor was impressed by that. I mean, I asked him point blank, like, so. what, "What did that say to you?" And he said, "You know, hey, it showed me that this is a guy that wants to to be a part of our football team right away. He um, uh, you know, he 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 wants to be around all of this. He it, it showed him a lot." And I I I think that I think that also helped them buying him. cuz let's let's face it also he may have proven himself last year to the family and Duke Tobin, And those. But this coach said they didn't know anything about Tyler Boyd other than what maybe they saw on film or raw numbers or those kind of things. So he had to prove himself a little bit to those guys. And he did that. And he did it very quickly. Because I'm guessing if Zach Taylor saw what we all saw in in the OTAs and that and what he did last year, I'm sure he went and said hey, we gotta re-sign his cat.
0: And and that's really where the believing in him comes from, right? Because you can watch on film and look at his stats last year and see that he's a talented guy that put up good numbers. But you had to trust that he was going to be a guy that's going to continue to strive to be better and continue to improve and i i am confident that the staff is this excited and and willing to sign him because of what they've seen so far from him no question All right, Skinny, the Bengals open training camp on Saturday in Dayton. After that, they'll be at the practice fields outside Paul Brown Stadium for four straight days. The 2019 training camp schedule features 11 practices total open to the public, including annual family day on Saturday, August 3rd in Paul Brown Stadium. Gates open at 2 p.m., practice begins at 3 p.m., and the public practices wrap up on August the 12th. There are plenty of storylines heading into the 2019 season for the Bengals, but which storyline do you think is most intriguing heading into training camp? And I put that caveat on because, of course, like, the offensive line, for instance, is going to be a big question. I think it's huge, but we're not going to learn anything about the offensive line and how good they are in training camp. We may know who's going to play,
1: but yeah, yes and no. I I think you will though. I, and and I always include training camp because training camp does include basically the first two preseason games. Okay, that, I mean that's fair. So but... you see some of that stuff. I that that, that part to me. I I know people are going to want to say I want to see how Zach Taylor is as as a coach in practice. I've seen that. I mean, you can see it if you want. That's fine. But right, and, I, and how
0: much are you really? Gonna I mean, glean to me from it's, that?
1: honestly, it's, it's how does the offense line shakeout. Um, you, know, you still have a question mark at left guard. You have no tackles behind Cordy Glenn and, and Bobby Hart. I mean, none. You have Kent Perkins, who's played in all of one NFL game, and he took six snaps. And you have Keaton Sutherland. Where do you go to college? Thank you. Okay, I, I you proved my point. Uh, um, 24? He, wasn't te- he on that show? Texas A&M. But uh. the point being, you got two guys that you don't know as backups. And, Cordy Glenn isn't getting through a full season any longer. He's just not. So to me, it, it the other part is, and again, this goes through the preseason. So I'm going to throw the whole preseason on top of it. You're going to have to go out and find another tackle as at least a backup guy. Which goes back to maybe that Bobby Hart signing wasn't so bad after all, was it? Well, I don't.
0: Again, here's the thing. It's not that it's not that you didn't need someone to play that position. It's just the fact that the idea that Bobby Hart is any better than the last guy off the scrap heap that you could get. He's not. He's he's as bad as anyone in the NFL. They showed that it, it, last year. It's funny. This staff likes him, too. The I, last
1: staff liked him, this staff likes good him. Good for them. I
0: I know. I love his highlight reels. They are more like a blooper
1: reel. They are very fun to they watch. Are. All right, so, so what do you got for an intriguing storyline? Sounds like you had one in mind.
0: No, not really. I, that's why I, I think it's a it's a tough call because I think the offensive line is kind of the big question mark now. I just don't think we'll really we'll feel good about it at the end of training camp because it's training camp and everyone looks good in training camp and you think. Well, I don't know. I, I've made
1: part. really I've made judgments on guys about a week into practice. Of man, that guy can't play a lick. Of uh, offensive lineman? Can, um, not offensive lineman. Yeah, se, but the, you do see some stuff. I mean, they they do have a few practices where you hit and there's full pads. Not all of them, and that's that's not a Bengals rule. That's an NFL rule. Yeah. Um, so you do see some of that. and you can see, hey man, if Geno Atkins is across from one of those one of those guards and he's dominating and kicking their ass, well, you better get somebody else in there who, who can at least hold their own.
0: I tell you what, I want you at some point during training camp, because you're going to be there. And every it, day. And it's not a lot of fun to sit through that every day in the heat and try to come up with new storylines to cover. I want one day a scathing report about how bad the offensive line was. At least once. Call oh, them out
1: I, one day, because oh, I've
0: never seen it during training camp. I've never seen any of you write something about ooh, offensive linemen man, playing poorly I, during
1: I, training camp. I don't know, man. We've we've done it. We've done it. Trust me. I don't believe that. But yeah, we've done it. I don't think that's true. We did it, I think, with Bobby Hart at last year. Well that camp. may
0: be. Now that that could be because he'll put some something on tape for you even in, yeah, even yes, in practice. Will. Yes he
1: will. No, I I mean to me that that's the thing. You got to figure out what you're doing at left guard and you better get to find some depth and all of those things. I think the other one too is is the the linebacking group well, that's what that, wasn't overly upgraded. I mean I, I I think Jermaine Pratt I like the pick. I mean I, I don't know enough about him other than what I've seen on film and, and what I saw briefly in the in the OTAs and that. He looks athletic. He looks He looks more polished in some of these recent third-round busts that they've had. Um, You know, will Malik Jefferson thrive with a new staff because he was totally lost in training camp last year? And that's the part about training camp. I'm telling you, especially for young guys, if you don't show in training camp that you can play, it doesn't mean they're going to cut you, especially if you're a high draft pick, if you're a third-round guy. They're going to keep you around just for special teams purposes, et cetera. But if you don't get it done in training camp, there's not time in the regular season to develop you. No, You're not getting your development is coming in the offseason, in the OTAs, in the spring, in the mini camp, and in this training camp. That's the part that fans need to recognize, because I, I get that whole "How come Malik Jefferson can't play?" Because in the regular season, you, there's nothing left to develop. You're either you are kind of what you are. All you're doing then is you're working on game plans week to week. It seems hard
0: to get unburied, yes, a, in, in the NFL for and whatever reason. You,
1: you want to you that kid last year in camp? It all it took is you to watch him about three or four plays and go, "Oh my gosh, he is totally lost." And he got called out by coaches, and a lot of times in camp they don't do that loud enough for everybody to hear. Yeah. Oh, you could hear that, like Malik. Where are your eyes? Where are you going? And maybe under a new staff, he thrives. Lou Anna Rumo, the defensive coordinator, seemed higher on Preston Brown than most. And some of it, he's probably right. He said, look, I watched him on film, and you're watching a guy hobbling around on one leg sometime until he only played seven games. He said he's he's healthy, and he's still a young guy, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that can do. I am, too. I mean, I'll give Preston this. He was productive in Buffalo, and tackle numbers aren't always the be-all, end-all. Um, but he did. I mean, he got hurt in the very first game, and he never was quite the same, and then obviously he was playing hurt, and he looked slow, and he looked bad, and he looked out of place. Maybe in this system, maybe with this, he does, but I, he, he finds a spot. But the, the linebackers, to me, they were a train wreck last year, and you better hope they're better this year.
0: Yeah, and that was going to be the, the one I would say is probably, I feel like you see a little bit more out of the linebacking core during training camp as opposed to the offensive line, and I guess we we kind of have expectations for who will play at those spots, at least to start out. But I guess my hope is that someone else does emerge and give us some hope that, hey, maybe there's a little more upside to this linebacking group than we thought after free agency and the draft and everything because they just didn't really do much to address it. They lost the guy who was probably the most – talented out of the group although oh, i think it's I, addition I, by subtraction i do i agree i, do, I didn't want Vontaze no, not Perfect even just back. because of
1: his nonsense honestly his skills it eroded to the point where he was in he was protest. terrible last year Yeah,
0: but i think you would agree that at his peak he was still the most talented guy peak, in that room
1: way past that
0: i agree uh you just never know with someone like that who's so volatile from year to year and gets in the shape and out of shape you wonder if maybe there was still some upside
1: there my over-under for games he plays in the nfl two. the rest of his career five that's the over-under five
0: yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone.
1: I'm t- all it's going to take is one more hit, and he's going to get a 19th concussion, and eventually somebody's going somebody's to at least have the guts to go, dude, you're done, or you're going to die. Which yeah. one do you
0: want? Or or teams, if he continues to play the way he did last year, teams just aren't going to want him, Yeah, period. he looked
1: like he was in really good shape for, for Oakland back in the spring. Oh, yeah. Not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Public fat rolls. All right, so offensive line and linebacking core are kind of the two storylines. Yeah, story lines, yeah right? I, I,
1: mean, I I don't usually use backup quarterback because it really doesn't who matter. Cares? But. Ryan Finley better show me a whole lot more than he showed during the OTAs and that. I yeah, you guys really were brutal on him. Yes. Oh, I was the most brutal yeah, on him. You're I was brutal him from like Twitter. day 1, so I hope it gets better, maybe it does, but boy, he didn't give me a whole lot of hope from what I saw.
0: I thought the Who Day PR team was going to shut you down at one point <laughs> they, with they all were, the negativity. They were trying.
1: They were trying. <laughs>
0: Skinny, we are now less than a week away from the Major League Baseball trade deadline. We've talked a lot about where the Reds would be when they got to this point in the season, but now that we're finally here, they have a record of forty-six and fifty-four with a five and seven record since the All-Star break, and are eight games back in the division and seven and a half games back of a wild card spot. And
1: that's way more than what you hear that number, Rick, and you're like, yeah, it, it, you got to leapfrog so many teams. I don't even look at the wild card anymore.
0: Well, it's so it's so bunched together Correct. in the Correct. National League Correct. right now.
1: My question is, how
0: would you characterize the Reds' position heading into the final week before the trade deadline? Like, everyone wants to break it down into buyers or sellers. I, I think for the Reds' position, it's a little more complicated I think You
1: made the best point, whatever it was, a few weeks ago. I think you're listeners. I think you're listeners for everybody and every, anything. You're listening to any and all offers if it makes sense for you. I will say, I'm at the seller point for Ryzele Iglesias, and, and some of it's performance-based, but some of it is... He just has never embraced whatever role they wanted to put him in. He doesn't look right. Sometimes, you know, that whole just changing the uniform, changing the scenery is good for both. I, it just feels like now anymore he comes in, you can't do anything but hold your breath. And even when you're holding your breath, you're going to hold it and die at some point because he's, just, he's not getting it done. He's the one guy I would actively, actively shop. Other than that, I'm listening. I'm listening to any and all offers. About the only two guys I honestly don't think I would trade would be Suarez and Senzel. Those are the two that I would say I'm gonna I'm gonna keep around those guys. You're not gonna be able to trade Joey Votto. I know we're gonna talk about him in a, in a minute too, but I you're not you're he's got he's got no trade clause and I mean nobody's taking that on. I, I just don't see that. I, I wish you could. I would hope you could, but you're you're not. I mean honestly I'm, I'm in, i I think you characterize it but I think you're listeners for any at all other than I think I am actively shopping Ryzel Iglesias. And I might say I'm actively shopping Tanner Roark if I've decided I can't resign Tanner Roark.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that stinks about Rizelle Iglesias is that he had trade value at the end of last year or at the beginning does, of this year. Though. I don't how much though. He's he's been really bad he, this he, year. He
1: has, but you do look at some of the metrics, and and you know his strikeouts, printings are still pretty good. So it's obviously still you know swing getting people to swing and miss or miss. And some of it again, I think there's always that team that says. Hey, change of scenery. I mean, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray in Yankee Stadium was a train wreck. Terrible. Train wreck. And I think the whole belief was get him out of there, get him away from that, get him back with his pitching coach, all those things. And look what's happened to Sonny Gray. Yeah, teams will want Ryzel Iglesias.
0: The problem for the Reds, it just stinks because you could have gotten well, something yeah, yeah, for I, him. I, I, and I, now I don't no, think you're really going to get much. No,
1: I think what, the only thing you're going to get is you're going to get out from underneath that contract. And it's not a bad contract. No, I think it was a good contract that they signed, but... At this stage, it looks like an awful contract if he continues to pitch the way he's pitching. Yeah,
0: that's why So I you wonder, get out from
1: underneath that, maybe.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe. I also wonder with that one, if he's not too much of a problem in the locker room. And I agree, there has clearly been some discontentment. Correct. And I think David Bell is doing all he can do to try to keep donus on him and keep pressure off of Rizel. Dude, he
1: brought him in with a three-run lead the other night. Well, yeah, and get then, the job done. And then afterwards, he
0: he took the blame for it and said, "I clearly haven't used him right in everything else." But no, you, you you have. You have been fine.
1: I, I, yeah. Look, I've got some criticisms of David Bell, but it's the way, not Rizella it's Glesias not It's the way you used him. I before the season started, one of the things I I remember writing was. I thought that Ryzele Iglesias would pitch in less games than he did last year and more innings, because I thought David Bell was going to use him for five outs, six outs, hell, maybe even seven outs. And I think that's really what he was going to do until the guy started screaming about, oh, put me in tie games. Dude, you're not... The closer is dead. Okay, get that through your head. There is no longer There should no longer be the term closer. You may be the ender. You're not the closer. Right. And, and get that out of your mind. And I... I mean, Dick Williams. When they signed the contract, said, "Hopefully, this gets out of his head that he needs save numbers to justify." Well, apparently, it doesn't, and it's not going to work here. So, get out from under it. Move on from him. Um, what? What about Puig? I would.
0: That's the one I was going to bring up. I think he he's the most likely piece to be moved because one, Wouldn't you're going to resign him. I think I would, yeah. I think I'd be good if Puig was my right fielder next year, too. The problem is, now he's playing well enough to the point that he's probably going to demand some coin this offseason. Now it's probably only for one year. I'm still okay with that. I think I am, too, because you're going to have the money, especially for a one-year deal. And he's not old. No, he's still very good. Like, right now, right. he is really hoping yes. your baseball team. The thing is, I think there might be a team or two that's going, hey, he's got his head on straight. Could, he's could, hitting well right now. We could use him no for doubt. our run here. No doubt. And they might be willing to give you a prospect Correct. for him. Oh, I think, and, I think they would. Yeah, so I think that's probably the most likely guy I, if could you're you do, the Reds. Could
1: you do this? Could you do the wink, wink, nudge, nudge? Hey, we're gonna deal you, but we really want to re-sign you. So please keep us in mind. We're just gonna try to do what's best for you right now, get you to a playoff team. I don't think that's do a bad idea at all. Us, and we're still gonna make a run for you. And I, I, I I'm not opposed to that. Now you also no. run the risk of him him falling in love with some other city or town.
0: I, but you, but that's that's a risk you're taking either way because he's a free agent at the end of the year. So that it really doesn't matter if he correct. leaves your team or not. Correct. I don't no, think cor-
1: correct. I, I. So let's cut to the chase on this because I think the next podcast we do will actually be trade deadline day. day yeah, um, who gets moved?
0: I think it's Puig I, I, because I just think it makes the most sense. There's a lot of teams that will want him to rent him for half a year. You could get a little something for him, and uh, you're probably going to lose him at the end of the year anyways. I think he's just the most likely piece because it's the easiest piece to move. But there are – I mean, Rizel Iglesias is a very interesting piece to have as well. I just think there's a few more things you have to make work there. I still think a team's going to
1: take him. I, oh, I think a team and, and, will and, want him, again, but you're I think – You're not Reds, getting much back, but you're also – again, you, you have to also look of – can I get out from under this contract? The contract I had no problem with. I think it was the right signing. I think they got him at a pretty good price at the time that they signed him. It's not working. What about Roark? Cuz I think you have a good chance cuz look, Alex Wood obviously is not going to sh- he's not going to be back by the Detroit- well, or close enough. He's not going to show enough. Right. I think you could re-sign Alex Wood on a pretty good one-year deal at the very least. So just say, "Hey, you only had a couple of months you really didn't prove anything to anybody let's give you a full year to prove it with us and here's a decent amount of money or maybe it's even longer term than that maybe it's 3 or 4 years i don't think you're going to resign i'd love for them to find a way to resign tanner roark i think he's been he's been more than what i would have bargained for to be honest with you
0: yeah i mean i think him as a middle of your rotation a third or fourth guy more than serviceable
1: yeah um i don't i don't know what they do with him i, I like i I mean, your rotation next year in theory, let's just say you get rid of Roark. Let's say you, you do make a deal and you decide to keep Alex Wood. It's, it's Castilla Wood, Gray. these is has shown I, me enough to be a bottom-of-the-rotation yeah. guy. Mally's. And my hope would be Malley if he just gets his head on straight and, and figures it out. If not... You can find another at that point. And they, yeah. they did a good job this offseason of targeting that one-year guy. Like, I mean, maybe there's a Tanner Roark type of guy for another year, another a year guy. I'm, I'm okay with that. I got no problem with that.
0: Yeah, I don't really care who a fifth pitcher in the rotation Correct. is. That can be anybody almost. Um, I... I I think with Roark and Wood, with Wood, I think you kind of almost hope he comes back and pitches poorly. I know. Because then you can hopefully get him at a little right. bit of a discount and have a guy that you feel like, hey, I don't he pitch. might still have I, I would one say or this, two potential in if, this. If he's healthy,
1: he will not pitch poorly. He he, he, he will not need to pitch. No, healthy, and then, and
0: then it becomes a thing where he only flashes for like two months. People are like, oh, he's still great, yep. like now that he's healthy. And then it becomes really difficult to re sign him. I, I understand think. that. And But like you said, I mean, he's not going to be back for the trade deadline, so he's on your roster the rest of the year no matter Correct. what. That does make it more interesting, I think, with Roark. And if I think, I think if someone wants him as a part of a deal, you're more than willing to throw him in there.
1: All right, so let's go back. So, so come August first, let's just use the 31st. Maybe trades can get done before that. Obviously, yeah. they usually don't. Who's gone off this roster?
0: I will say Puig is the only one. Now it could really? be more than that, but I'll say Puig is for sure gone. That's we'll my guess.
1: Right, that's a right, that's fair. What about Jeanette?
0: I think he stay. I mean, how much value does he have right now to other teams? I, he, does, I don't know if he's healthy. trying to swing
1: the bat a little bit better, a little Start bit around kind of himself a little bit into it.
0: But I mean, he hasn't really shown us anything no, yet I, to this I'm point. With you. I, I just don't know that anyone's looking around saying that guy can help us make our that's run fair. the rest of this year. Yeah, that's fair. And other than that, why would you want him? Because yeah. it's not like he's a standout piece any other time. I mean, no, you're only taking Scooter Jeanette if he's like hot right now, and you're like, correct, he could carry us the rest of this year in a in a pennant race. Right, so
1: you're going Puig's the only guy. Yeah, I think so. I I'll mean, go, mean it, it, I can I'll see a lot go, of I'll stuff happening. I'll go Puig and Roark. Makes sense. Um, I, I, I'm I'm wishing Iglesias, but I I, I, I kind of lean towards what you're saying. I do think teams teams are not going to look at. I, I, there's always a team that thinks they can they can make you the reclamation project, and I don't think it's quite the reclamation project that it is. I just think change of scenery would do him do him a world of good. I think he would be be the rise Iglesias we've seen the last three years. I really believe that. I do too,
0: but I think the Reds are also going to look at that and think he can still bounce back for us too. I don't know. Yeah, if we're just going to give him away for no, nothing when we have him in an okay contract. It's not. You're right that it'd be. They'd probably feel okay about getting out from under that contract, but they also probably don't feel terrible about keeping him for no, that no, money I, either because it's not an absorbent I just, amount.
1: I just keep thinking in a Reds uniform, this cat, his mind is never going to be right. It's just not going to be.
0: It certainly doesn't seem like it will be this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. He seems to have thrown this year away a little bit. Um, a lot, and a lot yeah, of it. Sometimes it's just, you know, getting away from it for a while and having a few months off can change that, but... You might be right. A change of scenery there might be best for everybody. Let, let's let's talk about what the Reds might be looking for if they are going to trade some of these guys. Yeah, we're all,
1: the thing is, we're talking about them being you know all these parts are selling off. What about what you can acquire, right?
0: Right, and you know it's been reported there among three teams, along with the Texas Rangers and St. Louis Cardinals, according to MLB.com's John Morosi, who he sees as clubs who. Quote, could pursue the Colorado Rockies' Charlie Blackman via trade. Blackman is a four-time All-Star outfielder who is hitting .318 with 21 home runs, 60 RBI, and an OPS of .964. The 33-year-old is making $21 million this season and is due to make $21 million each of the next two seasons with a player option for $21 million in 2022 and an additional player option for $10 million in 2023.
1: Do you think Charlie Blackman is an intriguing trade target for the Reds? I love him as a player. I mean, he's he's an on-base machine. He's got left-handed pop, and I can only imagine in Great American Ballpark what that would do. Um, you can hit him in a bunch of different spots. They've hit him lead off a lot of his career. I think he could be a middle-of-the-order hitter, too. But the problem is you got the albatross of the $25 million year first baseman, and I don't... Here, here's the here, I guess here's the better question for you. Would he be a guy... Um, what, what, let me briefly, Could you pay... And I think the answer is I know this. Could you pay Puig... Slightly, not even slightly less than this, and get somewhat similar production. I think so. Yeah, and so that—I that, mean, that, you don't control twig le- Correct. That leads me to look and go. All right, Charlie Blackman, is—he's in that kind of Joey Votto area of still productive at a certain age. And eventually, it's going to be you're going to look up, and we're going to have thirty five year old Charlie Blackman with two more years on his deal, hitting like Joe. maybe not. Maybe Charlie Blackman is one of those guys that hits until he's thirty eight or thirty nine.
0: And that very well could be. But this is exactly what we just talked about last week when we were saying, if you're the Reds, you're a mid market type team. You can't have hundred dollar contracts for guys in their mid thirties. Like it just it just can't be a thing that you, you take you on have, because of the
1: Reds. I mean, think about this. You got Vado through twenty what twenty four. They owe him another hundred million dollars, basically. So you would have that. You would owe Charlie Blackman about sixty million dollars. You owe two guys thirty-four plus, um, one hundred sixty mil. Yeah, I. I, th- I, I- Again, from a performance standpoint, I love me some Charlie Blackman. I've yeah. always loved me some Charlie Blackman. He fits,
0: he makes sense, and he's the quote-unquote controllable hitter that right. they're looking for because they would have his contract. But, but controllable but like at, a, years, at a
1: fairly high cost, though, That's too. The, that's the problem. I mean,
0: it's why you could get him. And the one thing is you wouldn't have to give up the farm to get Charlie Blackman because his contract is a situation. Correct. I mean, that is, that is what you're taking on if you're the team trading for Charlie Blackman is you're taking on the contract. You're not having to give up a ton of prospects to get him. But... If you're the Reds, I just don't think you—we we talked about it with Joey Votto. It's not that it's a terrible contract to sign. There could be upside there. That guy could be an all-star until he's 36 or 37, and then you totally got your money's worth. But you didn't. Or it could be Joey Votto. Right. And he could fall off drastically all of a sudden, and then you are absolutely screwed— as a mid-market team, because you can't recover from a hundred million dollar contract for a guy who's worthless. For two, yeah, I mean, for two of them. Yeah, if you get not just
1: one, two of them, you get
0: under another guy like that, you are going to really be hurting and completely limit your flexibility no, it, to improve your team.
1: I, I would, I would take whatever. If you thought about making a deal for Charlie Blackman, I would think about taking money that would be less and re-signing Puig. For that controllable time, for three or four years, and then taking the savings to do something else with. I think the production between Puig and Blackman. I think Puig probably has a little bit more power. He's more mercurial. He's going to be up and down. But Blackman is just a more consistent day in, day out guy. Uh, Again, I love Charlie Blackman. If you just told me it was Charlie Blackman as a player, and you weren't dealing with the contract portion of it, I'd be all over it in a heartbeat. The other part is. You know, you get Charlie Blackman, you have a left-handed hitting Charlie. Now, he hits lefties too, but you'd have a very left-handed heavy lineup. Blackman, um, the Winker platoon, however, that, that would work out. Jeanette, Vado. Uh, you know, that that's why Puig still intrigues me is he gives you a second right-handed power bat to go along with Suarez um, that I, I think helps balance out your lineup. So, yeah, I, I like the idea of it. I like him as a player. I ain't tying the money up in that though.
0: But that's probably what you're looking for. I don't have specific names. Um, even if it's not Charlie Blackman, you're probably looking for an 12, outfielder, twelve to
1: fifteen range. I mean, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, less money, yes, less money. Correct. But but
0: you're looking for a starting think, outfielder. But I think right? Puig
1: is that guy.
0: Very well could be. Yeah, if you can resign Puig, I think they'd be okay with that. Um, but you need a starting outfielder going forward because you don't have anyone ready to step in. No, Taylor
1: Jamel's not even close. No. Not uh, even close.
0: I mean, you've got Senzel already up. Yes. You've got... And I he guess,
1: still might be better served moving to second base when all is said right. and done. You He's
0: been pretty good in center. Winker and Irvin who have shown they're, flashes. Honestly, but they, are a
1: plato- they should platoon daily. I, I, seems they, they seems just, that way. And it seems that's that's kind of where they're trending yeah.
0: towards. So you're looking for probably a starter in the outfield, and which Charlie could be Blackman,
1: Blackman would be that guy, but not for that kind of money.
0: Right. I'm just looking for if they are are going to trade what does this team need most it's probably a starting outfielder for the future correct um and then a starting first baseman oh um, i didn't
1: just go there (laughs) um a starting first a catcher
0: yeah i mean you could could use a catcher and then i think you're still kind of looking for that next at least a starting pitcher uh, yeah there's always
1: you can always use more pitching
0: but there's you know you're not getting a, a top of the rotation no, sure starting not. guy in a No, you, probably. Get
1: me, you get me more Tanner Roark's moving forward. I'm, I'm in love with it.
0: That'd work. Or um, the other thing I, I think you, you got to be interested in if you're the Reds is the next A.O. Suarez. The next guy that uh, there's a little something there. Uh, even if he's a middle infielder, we don't have an immediate spot for him. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with Jeanette and Jose Iglesias is probably not going to be here after this year. So, that's another guy that could be moved is Jose Iglesias with the way that's, he's that's, played. That's fair. A great defensive replacement for a team that's hit better than expected Gen- this year. Jeanette's
1: back. Peraza's hitting the ball better. You can move him back to, to the position he was comfortable. And in. he was only signed for a year. Yeah, correct. So I mean, I, he's probably yeah. gone after this year with the way he's played. I don't. Yeah, that, that's an intriguing one to me, too, because I'm not so sure I don't try to get him back for a year or two. I,
0: well, you might try to, but he's going to cost a bit more money, I would think, right. the he's, way he's, he's played this earned, year.
1: Yeah, he's probably earned that. I'll, I'll give you that part.
0: Yeah, so I, there's I think the Reds are in an interesting spot because they, this really this year was never about this year. It was always about the next 2 years probably or 3 years or whatever yeah, you just, see your window as. Yeah,
1: they made, they made these deals and again, I like the way they did that. I like the, the rent-a-pitcher philosophy, because if you catch the lightning in a bottle with pieces around it, then suddenly at the trade deadline, you make that extra move.
0: Well, it could have worked for you this year. Um, the fact that it didn't is okay. because but it was now more you, interesting. Now it made it more interesting, but you also have some pieces now. You have some flexibility here at the deadline. I'm you like, bought okay, a little
1: time. A- you bought a little time for your farm. Your farm system's not great, but you bought a little time. Well, Dolo's moving through nicely. Scott Moss is progressing at a a night. Now, there's a lot of guys. I did a look at the top 20 last week, and it wasn't very positive.
0: Yeah, that might be the bigger concern for the Reds. But a couple
1: of the pitchers, Scott Moss was pitching pretty well. There's another one whose names escaped me who's pitching pretty well. I don't need them all. I just need need one or two, and they haven't produced the one or two very often.
0: They're buying time. The problem is I'm not seeing the results at the lower levels of guys like, oh, he's definitely going to be ready in the next year or two. We just don't see that yet. Taylor
1: Trammell has regressed. It seems that way. Jonathan India has done nothing. I mean... And Hunter Green, obviously, is coming off surgery. There's your top three prospects. Ooh.
0: Not great. Not great. Skinny Joey Votto has been another popular topic of conversation on this podcast. Since the All-Star break, Votto is hitting 235 with an OBP of 278. He has 12 hits, one homer, three walks, and 10 strikeouts. Over 12 games, he's had multiple opportunities in the clutch where he couldn't bring in a run or even keep an inning going, which has drawn even more attention to his struggles. What do you think Joey Votto's future is with the Reds? And is there anything they should be trying to do with him or can do with him at this point?
1: Well, according to Jim Day, the ball's just rocketing off of his bat because he's adjusted his hands down on the bat.
0: Well, yeah, he quit choking up. Which, by the way, I think regardless of whether it helps him or not, just for personal pride, it's a good move because his choking up was getting it lo- embarrassing. It, it looked bad. It looked like a baller who was the worst player on the team. Correct.
1: Correct. And I don't know why he's tinkered that much with it. I, I you Because know, he's a weirdo. I think there's some of that. Um. Honestly, I wish he'd do them a solid and honestly retire. I, I mean, I mean that do them a solid and just, just retire. walk away. Just from, get away from the from. The,
0: yeah, players do that all the time. I know.
1: Yeah, especially when there's a hundred million dollars still that you can cash. Yeah. That, that's that's your money. That that you've you're guaranteed that money. I I don't I, honestly I don't know what the, what can you do with him. This hopefully this and the Homer Bailey deal and going back to the Larkin deal of years ago. Stop stop. Catering to the fans, do what's right for your club. And if it was Joey, the problem was Albert Pool signed that deal. He signed ten years for X number. We've got to do the same because it, because it, no, you don't. It would have been a disaster if they signed Poolholes too. Look what happened, happened with them. And here's the one thing I will tell you is not Joey Vidal's fault. A, hey, it's not his fault. They offered the money. You are what you're worth. Hell so no. I'm not. What also is not his fault is them signing that deal and then doing nothing around him for four years of letting him just fritter away. Correct. Of just letting him fritter away, of putting up good years year after year and not enough around him to do anything other than still finish in last place. Yeah. So you fritter that part away. Now you're at the stage where you feel like, oh, we've lost our fan base, need to get him back, so we need to start doing some things. And now he's past his prime. So stop doing deals like that. Just stop. You
0: can't afford it. You Correct. just can't. You can't afford the risk. Yes, and sometimes if Joey it may Votto had walked.
1: Out. I He was not going to walk away from six years and whatever million of dollars. It would have taken him to 34. And at 34, you go, dude, if you're still producing, we'll get you another couple years. And if he walked at that point, because you did nothing around him. You had no plan to do anything around him. So what was the point? You thought that everybody, you're still going to get 40,000 people at the ballpark just to watch Joey Votto about four times a night and walk three of them? It may seem like really.
0: It may seem like the right thing to do. It may seem like the thing that the fans want you to do. But let me ask you this: Do you think the Patriots ever think that way when they're making their decisions with no, their personnel? They don't care exactly. And that to me, that's like you—you you have to think that way. You have to.
1: Again, if you wanted to do this deal with him, like you did it. You better have had other pieces around him, or been ready to go all in with other pieces around him. Yeah, realizing that when you got to this part of the contract, it might be a disaster. You might be
0: screwed. You might have you sort of might have been paying I mean, the piper a little not, bit there.
1: No one is Superman, okay? No one plays until they're fifty three, right? Usually, about mid thirties, the numbers start declining. For him, sadly, they've declined. And, you know, the slugging and, and batting average have declined at a precipitous level, yeah. and now he's not getting on base at the clip he used to get on base. So, what does he do? Not
0: much, and his defense has been bad recently too. Train which, wreck. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not good, and you do feel for the guy because he was so good. This isn't his fault that he's declining in this way. No, it just, is.
1: It's, it's father time, yeah. man.
0: It catches up to everybody. It's caught up to him in the worst way, really quickly. All Dude, of a sudden, just,
1: just do him a solid and retire. You got enough coin, don't you? You got enough money. Come he, on, Joe. He's not going to. Joe, do can that. I call you
0: Joe? He's not going to do. Joe, that. walk
1: away. I don't. think. See what Joe? Joe, do this. Joe, can I can I call him Joe?
0: I don't think you can call him Joe based on can I your call him history. Dan? Can I
1: call him Daniel? Daniel.
0: Dan, he might be more Dan, receptive. To that. Danny.
1: Hey, Danny. Danny, could you do this? I'll get. I'll let you get one more twenty-five million. Get one more year out of you. We'll 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 platoon you maybe next year. We'll we'll let you we'll let you get a couple hundred of the bats. We'll get you to the two thousand hit plateau perhaps. And then please just walk away. Just just walk away. Danny. Again, I. That's why I said I. Hey, I don't blame him at all for the for the contract. I don't blame, I blame the Reds for in the window when he was really really good. And yeah, they went to the playoffs a few times, but the, really that wasn't that was almost pre- before that. this contract, right? Yeah. When you signed him to this deal, you didn't have another plan in place to put parts around him. Seriously?
0: Yeah, it's like they just felt they were good enough. Uh, they were gonna maybe make a run of it because they had been there. They had made the playoffs a couple years prior, and it's like we'll just let this ride out and hopefully we'll lightning in a bottle i, I mean it was I, yeah, there was no plan in place that's exa- at all
1: that's it there was no plan in place at all thank you all jockety no plan in place whatsoever it was hey fans love him he's productive let's sign him we'll keep him locked up for the rest of his career he'll retire as a red that all sounds great, great. please retire as a red as soon as you can
0: yeah at this point yeah
1: Reds manager David
0: Bell has been ejected seven times this season, which is the most ever by a Cincinnati manager, the most ever by a rookie manager, and tied for the most this season with veteran Tigers manager Ron Gardenhire. Do you think all of David Bell's ejections have a positive or negative overall impact on the Reds?
1: I think overall probably positive, because I think most of those he's going to bat for his guys. Um, I think other than Ryzel Iglesias, it feels like, it feels like those guys play for him. Again, I have my issues with David Bell the way he runs a game at times. I do. I think he overmanages at times. I think he manages by the current book and I you know I know everybody's everybody will say that that nobody bunts anymore. nobody puts on hit and runs anymore. Well, it, it doesn't need to be as rigid as I'm sitting back and waiting for a three run home run every single solitary inning of every single solitary game. It used to be everybody ran and bunted, so then everybody ran and bunted. Now it's everybody sits and waits for three run homers, and nobody bunts and nobody steals and nobody. Again, that's that that's not thinking outside the box. That's thinking like everybody else. Do do something different. So I do have my issues with Dave Bell, but I think I think it shows him going to bat for his guys. I think sometimes. Sometimes it, it can be a show. I'm, I'm going to guess for Ron Gardenhire, he gets sick of watching such a bad club and he's had, he's been on winners before. That It's almost like I ain't watching this crap again tonight. I'm going to go get run right now. Yeah. And I'll be in the clubhouse, have a house, couple of couple pops. Ones. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then come tell me how things turned out. I think I know. Oh, another seven, two loss. Oh, okay, good. We'll, we'll run him out there tomorrow. Um, and I don't think David Bell is for show. I because I, it's funny he he's a he seems like a very even-keeled, even-keeled guy. Keeled guy. And you listen to him in post-game press conferences after he's almost kind of a mope to some degree. Um, very even-keeled, even though even after bad losses, the point was like, dude, can you at least show some inflection in your voice and and perk up a bit? But yeah, I think overall, I think it's mostly him going to bat for his guys. And I think for those guys, if you watch your manager go to bat for you, it's hard not to respect him.
0: Yeah, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly how I've taken this this year. It, it hasn't seemed like a guy who is cracking and is in over his head and is frustrated and is like losing his mind on umpires at bad calls constantly because things aren't going well for him. It does seem very much like I don't know. Did you catch the clip where um, Aaron Boone went out and argued with the umpire the other night in the Yankees? No, he
1: got ejected. I did not. I did not see. Yeah, that well, it
0: was they had the mic up and uh, he went in there and. Had kind of a couple great lines of, my guys are effing savages in that box. And everyone kind of took that and ran with it. But, like, the
1: players loved it. They're like, we... That's Correct. our guy. Like he has our back. He believes in us. And a couple of David Bell's ejections, Rick, are are when other teams have thrown at his guys, and yep. he's he's wanted that stuff to stop. And good for him. I
0: was just gonna say that the one that stands out in my mind is that Pirates one right. where he came sprinting out, and I don't even know if he actually got ejected on that one, but I, the Pirates I, game
1: where he came sprinting out, and I went nose he to know what the umpire because then it led into all kinds of stuff afterwards. Yeah. But that's when he was pointing at Clint Hurdle in the other dugout. Right. Too. It's
0: neither here nor there, but just the concept of the way he approaches the game and the way he kind of the all in with my guy guy's mentality and it's even with the Rizel Iglesias stuff as much as that you know Rizel's kind of gone back and forth in the media with him a little bit David Bell has never Correct. said anything that it's been Rizel's fault or that um he was bothered by what Rizel said, or took anything out of context. He Same thing said with the Tyler Malley stuff. He said it's my fault every step of the way, and he's had those guys back, whether it be with the media, whether it be with the umpires. I think it's been a positive impact because I do think these guys appreciate it. Maybe it's been a little over the top, and he can tone it down going forward as he gets more comfortable.
1: Well, a couple of those ejections too are over replay stuff, where you can't even say a you can't say a peep. Right. But I think again, I. Sometimes that can be showy. I mean, I used to love Earl Weaver. I'm going to go back old school on you. And Earl Weaver, I think, sometimes did that stuff for show. Um, I think some managers probably back in the day did it for show. And sometimes you do need to put on the show. But I don't think that. I think this is him going to bat for his guys. And I think I, if you're those guys, you're like, man, David's got us, dude.
0: And I think it might be a little bit of a show in that regard because he is such an even-keeled guy that you got to think he's proud. Some of this is premeditated, certainly. He's probably forcing this a little bit. But again, I don't think it's a guy who's like, freaking out and getting mad and losing his mind it's a guy that's going i need to make sure these guys know i have their back so i'm gonna i'm gonna show that a little bit but yeah i I really like the way he's he's carried himself as the manager of this team all right skinny switching gears here 40 year old manny pacquiao took down previously undefeated 30 year old keith thurman saturday night in a split decision Pacquiao knocked down Thurman in the first round, won 115-112 on the scorecards from judges Dave Moretti and Tim Cheatham, while Judge Glenn Feldman had it 114-113 for Thurman. As for what's next, Pacquiao is expected to return to the ring next year with the obvious fight for him being a title unification match against the winner of Errol Spence Spence Jr. and Sean Porter. Of course, whenever Pacquiao's name is brought up, it's closely followed by Floyd Money Mayweather talk, and the two were trading barbs on Twitter and Instagram Tuesday. My question for you is: Do you want to see another Manny Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather fight at this point? And is Manny Pacquiao still entertaining as a fighter?
1: I mean, dude, if you're 40 years old and you're still in the ring, still trading stuff, and still winning, like you're pretty entertaining. That's pretty. That's pretty good to me. Just, just for it's like Julio Franco at this point. It's Correct. just like watching the guy. Yeah. How long and can he, he do it? Here's the other thing: Is he even 40? I mean, I mean, he could be 47 for all. That's we know. a great point. I mean, you, yeah, never we have know. No you have old no clue. You have no idea what that kind of stuff. You really don't. Um... There's got to be another Pacquiao Mayweather, right?
0: Oh, it's happening,
1: dude's nickname ain't money for nothing. Dude knows how to stir it up. He, well, uh, it, I mean them, act, it's,
0: it's, them acting like these were um, organic, correct insults or whatever they're no. trading back and forth. I mean they, these, they never these are. Might as, these are probably written by a PR team. Probably I mean, done the, by it's it. an probably somebody
1: who's running their Instagram account. Oh, guaranteed. Yeah,
0: yeah, guaranteed. They're not making that post. I mean, this is all so pre-planned. It's correct. obvious. Correct. It's obvious that fight is going to happen. It's going to bring in a ton of money. Um, the first fight between them was so boring. Everyone talks about Pacquiao's shoulder being torn, and that's why. Do you want to
1: see a rematch between them or not? I, I do, because if he's healthy, and he kind of proved... If, he does if, look if, like a different guy if, since that if, fight. If he was yeah. truly sore and, and truly hurt in the last one. Um, and, and maybe for him, it's, I got one more good one in me, and I'm going down in a blaze of glory. Win or lose, I'm going to make my payday, and then I'm going to walk away. And maybe that's what it comes down to. Maybe maybe we do get that type of a fight. Um, I, I do think it's going to happen. I think it should happen. Yes. Yes.
0: I'm, I'm mixed on this because I will watch that fight. I'll be excited. And part of what I think boxing and what it probably doesn't do a great enough job of, I think UFC maybe does a better job of creating the idea of like, hey, when we have fight night or whatever it is, it's an event. You get your buddies together. You drink. Used,
1: I'll tell you what's funny. I hardly ever watch boxing anymore. I grew up in the Ali Frazier, Ken Norton, George Foreman era where it was in Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, it felt like boxing was was golden that was even past the golden age of boxing which was you know 40s 50s and 60s right um but it always felt like that that like you'd watch some of the undercard stuff because it would be a recent olympian and you're like oh man he's making his debut i want to see how this guy does and it would lead up to actually the undercard fight before the main event would always be a, a fairly big time event then you would have the, the main event and it was guys you knew and, and i think some of that too is the heavyweight divisions kind of always carried boxing right and it, it does. feels like that's that doesn't happen any longer for the most part it just for whatever reason it just doesn't and there, maybe there's just not enough guys that people want to recognize and again maybe the sport is just what it is that people have gravitated more to UFC but I, I'm with you it just feels like it it, it it doesn't have that event status it, it, it used to or maybe even should and,
0: and I think that's where like it should because that's, Cause
1: you can't tell me look I know people do, uh, boxing savage it is okay but people've gravitated to UFC. You talk about savage. Holy mackerel. I mean that's that some of that stuff is scary to me.
0: Yeah. Oh, I mean it's it's hard to watch at times. It and is. even and even boxing, and we're about to talk about a tragic event here in a second. Oh, yeah, yeah. But to me, boxing what makes it good is the fact that it's like it's an excuse to get together with some guys, have a few pops sit around BS because you don't have to sit there and watch constantly. There are breaks in between the different fights and everything. And and then you get kind of a good little it's quick it, you know how long you're going to be there for it's it's just a nice way to cap off the night and then go home it's it's a good event thing it's a good thing for social media it gets it gets a lot of run on yep. twitter and yep. instagram and everything when these fights are going on i don't think boxing takes advantage of the, enough of that at times and for me that's what the manny floyd fight will be this time around it'll be another fun night with buddies watching it I don't know that I actually care to see them fight at this point. And that's what's so frustrating about boxing. Oh, I don't know. Maybe the last one left a bad taste in your mouth. But here's the problem with it, Skinny. And this is why UFC is is doing better than boxing in terms of promoting itself right now it's because they put the fights that you want to see while guys are at the top of their game in their prime we wanted to see that fight between these guys for so long while they were good and at the top of their game it took too long we get get to see them one time when they're way past their prime and pacquiao has a busted up shoulder to where he can't even throw more than 80 punches in the entire fight and then now two three more years later we're gonna see them fight again like this is so frustrating as a boxing fan because we wanted that fight for so long. Now that the guys aren't really relevant, okay, we're going to get them more money and keep them relevant by finally pitting them against each other when they're too old to actually hurt each other, which I don't want to see guys get hurt. But the problem is, boxing as a sport is, the idea is kind of knock the guy down and hurt him. Correct. So if you can't do that, it's not a very exciting sport. It becomes a lot of just kind of technicalities and you're yeah. waiting for refs to not but be very thing, good at their job.
1: A jab here and a jab there. Or judges, and, and, I should and, and, say. And, and Yeah. Yeah. Do you know how to score it? I don't know how to score. I really don't. I mean, I can a little bit, but I, I it, it feels subjective well, it's at times. Very too. subjective, yeah. based on the Correct. ridiculous scores we Correct. end up with sometimes. Correct. Maybe we got to go to uh, to computer chips and gloves, right? Where if you landed like, <laughs> remember that old game? Did you ever, ever play the old boxing game with with uh, Glass Joe? Oh yeah, Body yeah, blow, punch out, body blow, body blow,
0: yeah, knockout, uh, King Hippo. When you got to keep yeah. it in the stomach, yeah, 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 yeah. That was I loved punch out. Was there's Mike Tyson version too? Mike Tyson's punch out as well. Know that version, yeah, the same game, but just yeah, just instead yeah. of Little Mac, you were Mike Tyson. I think.
1: Uh, I mean, maybe we maybe we need to have a different scoring system. I don't know, but I yeah, that's a good point. I, I mean, again, I go back to that era I grew up in. I mean, Frazier Foreman would fight when they're relevant. Frazier Ali, Foreman Ali, Norton. I mean, it, it it was like four to six of them that was, always felt relevant.
0: Yeah, and and there's some guy like, here's the problem for me right now, and, and you're right, boxing has been dominated by, like, welterweights and lightweights for the last two decades, really. Um, and you think about all these stars that have kind of emerged. None of them have been power punchers. None of them have been guys with major knockout potential. They've all been more, like, defensive guys who are more, Artful or craftful with their
1: with the way that they fight. That's why Tyson was so good because you you were just you weren't you were just waiting for the win. You weren't waiting for if it was when. And I that, mean that was the whole drama of it. He could be fighting a, baz- a, a bazooka who or a palooka who didn't couldn't fight at all, and you knew it. It was a tomato can, but you're just going. all right When is it going to be fifty seconds? In is it going to be early in the second? When it's coming? It's when? like
0: watching a natural disaster. Yes, correct. I mean it's you're just waiting for it to hit. You know it's going to yes. happen. It's inevitable. Yeah, these fights aren't the same. And now, like when we get to this point, and they're talking about you know Errol Spence Jr., who's who's supposedly a great fighter, and don't know him. I I, I don't know him. I will say I've watched him. Like I do think he's a good fighter. But when we're talking about Manny Pacquiao, was still in the conversation with those guys as a forty year old. How how exciting is that sport really at this point? There is some momentum right now with the heavyweight division. And I think that's where they need to keep that going. We've, we've seen some good fights this year at the heavyweight level. If they keep that going, I think boxing could have a little bit of a comeback. But I'll be honest, after watching that fight, the Thurman-Pacquiao fight the other night, I came away saying, Pacquiao does look better. I, I'm impressed the way he's still able to fight at this age. And a 40-year-old's still relevant. But this is bad for boxing, yeah, quite honestly. Yeah, a 40-year-old honestly. is still relevant. Yes, yeah, that was not a fun fight to watch. You shouldn't
1: really. be relevant past 35. I mean...
0: Uh, not in boxing. Not in boxing. No. Junior welterweight Maxim Dadashev died Tuesday morning as a result of brain injuries he suffered during an 11th round knockout loss to Subriel Matias on Friday at the MGM National Harbor in Oxonville, Oxon Hill, Maryland. Dadashev, who needed help leaving the ring, collapsed before making it to the dressing room and began vomiting. He was taken from the arena on a stretcher and was transported by ambulance to the hospital where he underwent emergency brain surgery for two hours for subdural hematoma. hematoma. Dadashev was 28 years old. Skinny, is there anything boxing can do better to prevent or deal with boxers getting injured to the point of being in a coma or getting killed, or is this one of those things where you're just going to have to accept it as part of the sport if you want the sport to continue? Yeah, I, mean,
1: I think if you're a boxer, you accept the risk, for starters. Um, I, I think boxing has done a better job probably over the last two decades of preventing some of this stuff, of referees maybe, and sometimes people get complained that they, they maybe TKO a guy too early, uh, maybe they don't. And again, maybe this is just freaky that it, it just, again, because the guy didn't collapse in the ring and go into a coma off of one punch. I watched the
0: whole fight. I mean, at the end of the fight, even when they went to the end of the 11th round, you, I 100% thought he was coming out for the 12th. He didn't get beat up that bad. I mean, he was taking way too many hits, obviously. Yeah, the, but again, he was not like. But I would say that stumbled. He never fell down. No, and,
1: I, and I, like I said, I think referees have done a pretty good job of stepping in to prevent.
0: Well, and trainers too.
1: And trainers. We're too, getting away yes, from yes, some of yeah. the old school yeah.
0: mentality where you're just got to cut be me Mick. It through everything. Cut me. Yeah, I mean, guys are legitimately understanding that it's not worth dying
1: over. You know, Rocky can't see at the end, and he's got both eyes shut. Just and cut he's me. Still just swing. Just cut me, Mick. Yeah. Um. No, and I, I think boxing has done a better job. Again, like I said, I think that referees. You know, some people will complain of, of early even boxers will complain of early TKOs. If they can see it, they're gonna they're gonna they're 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 doing it for you. Trust me, they are yeah. doing it for you. And you have
0: to save the guys from themselves. Yeah, because I, I mean Dadashev was saying, No, one more, one more, let me go.
1: Yeah. And and, and they TKO'd him and it was the right thing to do yeah, and it up dying. I mean yeah. so yeah, I I think that's one of the it's like football, you you know the risks. I, I, I don't I, look I think football's done a great job of of, of understanding what concussions can do to people. Where in the past they had not, but at the same time, you know, you know, dude, you know the risk. And I think that's what you're seeing some players now. They've made some money and they're walking away, and good for them. Yeah. Maybe in boxing, you make your money and you don't want to take the risk, walk away. You want to keep taking the risk, 40 year old Manny Pacquiao, because you know the money's there. That's the risk.
0: I think that's the two key differences between the sport and the way they've kind of gone though because we've made such a big deal about this head injury stuff and we've got to get rid of it and and you know maybe some of this is bad we need to completely change football because of all of that and with boxing it's a lot of like well it's a blood sport this is kind of the way things are i kind of agree with that though because it's it's a situation where with football i don't think for the most part up until the last maybe decade anyone was signing up with the idea that I'm going to have long-term brain damage that may cause, cause me cause, to go nuts you, and kill you myself. Didn't know and exactly. Now you know
1: so now you know.
0: But and they and they hid that for a long time. Yes. And now they are doing a better job of promoting it. They probably need to do even more. But it, it, it now it's become the same thing with boxing where you are making a conscious decision. But boxing, you always knew it, right? I mean, you were always yeah. going in to get I mean, your brains beat in. So a,
1: as an amateur coming up, obviously you've got headgear that helps. I, I guess you could argue you could go. You could go the headgear route, um, maybe that's the case. But the, these are these seem more rare than than ever to me. And this seemed really just almost freakish. If the guy was thinking about coming out for the twelfth round, and it wasn't it was, like a not he you had know,
0: not been knocked down yeah. the entire fight, he hadn't yeah. gone down. I watched it. I watched the entire fight back, knowing he. Had, I didn't watch it live. It was on ESPN Plus. Um, I knew he died, so I went back to watch the fight, and it was an eerie feeling. Watching the whole fight sitting there, and you're saying like, "Oh man, like his flank's getting really bruised up. He's looking really red." But like, when when's it going to happen where right. you see like, "Oh, that's that, where that it went, right? Yeah, that it never came." Right. Skinny, like I just watched the entire fight, and I was like, "Oh, I'm a little surprised they stopped it and he died." I mean, like it, it, from a moral standpoint, I don't know what the right answer is, and it's never. I never really like getting in on that side of things and being like, "Oh, people should or shouldn't do this." I think when you look at boxing, though... Freedom
1: of choice, man. You've chosen that profession. You've chosen that career. Maybe it's chosen you because of your upbringing. Well, the, I was going to say, with
0: boxing, one thing that's interesting is I don't think... It's almost like a last chance profession. There aren't a lot of people in boxing who had great upbringings and tons no, of money. That, a lot of people did it because, you know what? I, I need this. I want this right? You're bad right. enough. And so, for that reason, I've always kind of liked it because I think a lot of the athletes have really unique stories and interesting stories, and um, they've chosen to live that way. But man, it is when you see someone, I mean, just die yeah. from, from trying to make money for their family, essentially, and do something they love. That's that's rough. it's eerie to watch. No it question. really is. All right. A uh, bit of a lighter note here. All we right. have a little off the beaten. No go pet- sex this week. No go sex. No week. farting.
1: We- I saw some people respond to your people. Sh- they were showing people's feet. <laughs> Did you see the one picture somebody tweeted you? Jed Demuse is a
0: problem on Twitter.
1: Let's backtrack, because this is obviously an audio medium. If you didn't hear last week's podcast at the end, we were talking about people who pass gas on airplanes. I don't even remember how the heck we got onto it, but we got onto the subject. Well,
0: and see, this goes all the way back to you on our college basketball podcast a few years ago, talking about summertime short pants. Correct. And Jed DeMusey getting mad that we wore summertime short pants on planes. Um, yeah, he, I, for still- some reason, thinks he's like from the 1950s and guys should still be wearing suits everywhere. Yeah. And then, meanwhile, he's equating that now to because I'm okay with guys wearing shorts on planes, that I'm also okay with people taking their socks and shoes off oh. and using their feet and sticking them up on the top. Well stuff. somebody
1: somebody tweeted a picture to us of somebody on a plane. They were they were further back, but somebody had taken their shoes off, put their feet on the on the seat rest of the people in front of you, them.
0: Yeah, you should be executed. Not thrown in jail, executed I would Correct.
1: have found some weird way to break a toe. I, would have, I don't know how I would have done it. I may have taken my laptop by accident and slung it back. I'd have found a way to break it. If that person had put their feet up on my seat rest behind me, they would have lost a toe.
0: It makes me want to vomit even thinking oh. about this because I'm so disgusted by feet. Right, how you about know the, what the one best where somebody is, was,
1: somebody, somebody was under, under the air thing where we're drying their underwear, it looked like? Now, that looked like it might have been a put-on.
0: That's uh, yeah, got to be fake. It's got to be. be fake. There's a lot of people doing that now, like gym guy. There's a lot of people going to the gym and doing weird workouts in the gym that are obviously put on but, uh, and having a friend film them, yeah. and they upload to social media to go viral. I'm not in on the I fake don't think videos. The, I don't
1: think the feet on the seat rests were... No,
0: I feel like that was real I because, why, I mean... I do too. You, even if it was a faked video, somebody, you did it. Somebody like,
1: showed they were in the bulkhead um, where there's no seat in front of you um, where they had taken their shoes off. They put their feet up on the thing and apparently swiping. Stunk, stunk to high heaven. Well, did you
0: see also the one with they had the touchscreen-like video thing in front of them and the lady was using her feet to swipe right oh, across no, the I, I movie selections? I mean, seriously, I'm I disgusted I can pick by objects up with my feet.
1: I can pick, like, forks and knives and pencils and stuff with my feet. I hope you, just, you just pick the them up I... and put them in the garbage. No, I usually just pick them up, put them in my hand, and put it in the dishwasher.
0: That's so... I I you, you, you hate do, feet. You can't do that? I hate my own feet. I want, when I was I was dating a girl from, I
1: hate my own
0: feet. I was dating a girlfriend, and she swung... We were watching the movie Saw back in okay. the day, so yep. I was sitting up. She was kind of laying down on the couch, and she swung her feet up on my lap, and natural reaction, I kind of just freaked out and flipped, flipped her. her. Off onto her coffee table.
1: Had that makes, relationship makes, end right a, there?
0: Oh, no, it was fine I, She actually uh, went to jail later in life.
1: Oh, yeah, okay. that's for
0: no, that's for another podcast. <laughs> okay, but and this time she is was it, a very. Is it girl who's ever dating somebody
1: that's gone to jail? Podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, when okay. we, when we okay. do that edition, okay. I'll let you know. But her parents came, were like. What's going on out there? And like, I mean, they're probably thinking we're yeah, doing exactly. all types of yeah. dirty stuff. And really, I just want to go on onto a coffee table. That's funny. So, yeah, that is, I mean, we talked about people farting on plane being terrorists. That's bad. But you putting your feet out on plane, you should be shot for. I mean, yeah, I executed. don't think it, it's not that fair to the, the people. Ar-
1: it really is. It's not fair to the people around you. It's just not. It's terrible. It's
0: I mean, I can't think of anything worse to do. Feet are disgusting,
1: but I've if, taken my shoes off, like dress shoes or whatever, or even tennis shoes on occasion, just but I've kept on my a plane? feet. But I've kept my feet under like the seat in front of me. Yeah, you, and you... I make sure of this honestly, because we've all had a stinky pair of of, of tennis shoes, right, or yeah. gym shoes, or whatever you want to call them. Um, if it's if it's a pair like that, a I'm gonna have doused them with Febreze yeah, before I got be on the plane. You should be wearing
0: that on the plane. And I would not wear them on the plane. Yeah, either, you so, shouldn't yeah. do that in, in closed Correct. quarters. I will say, though, I'm not as bothered by, like, someone just having stinky feet out as I am by seeing their actual feet. <laughs> so, like, if you have socks on, I can probably live with the smell as long as I don't see your feet. I'm, I'm open to banning all open-toed shoes. Like, I'm fine if no one's ever allowed yeah. to wear sandals or anything again. I hate toes. I hate feet. I just think they're disgusting. I'm not gonna go quite that far. Like if there if there was if, if there's a woman right now who was like you looked at her and you're like that's a perfect ten. So hang on. So I'd yeah, be like chop yeah, yeah, off her feet and that would be a perfect. I was just 10. saying
1: you got supermodel who is into a foot fetish and she wants to have a relationship with you.
0: I'm out. Whoa, I'm out. Boy. If there if there is a if, Man, if Kate Upton killin- hits me if Kate Upton hits me up tomorrow and yeah. is like I'm leaving Justin Verlander, Rick, because he doesn't his, like. He's not
1: into foot fetish. His, his
0: I, 96 mile an hour fastball is nothing, and his money on your podcasting ability. All I need you to do is just suck my big toe. I'm out. I am zero chance. I'm doing it, and I that's Man, honest to God. I can't. i I'm gonna, straight up.
1: Like most of the times on this podcast, where I think I'm in the minority, you I think are in the minority on oh, this one.
0: I absolutely know I am, and I would tell you this: the person who put, took their shoes off and put their feet up on that plane. Mm-hmm. The best thing you could do to them that I, I mean, I almost vomit just thinking about it in my mind though, is turning around and sucking on that big toe. You do that. They will lose their mind. and They will never do that again.
1: That's hilarious.
0: But it's disgusting. I mean, yeah, I would never not, ever do yeah, it. it. It's not fair to the person in front of you. All right. Okay, but back but we back to didn't, yeah, yeah, didn't ever get to it here. Uh, Kevin hit us up and said he's headed to Miami for a bachelor party this weekend and wanted to know what you and skinny would plan if you were in charge of a bachelor party. So that's me and skinny. Yeah. Um, if we were in charge of a bachelor party, what would you plan? Well, first of all, let me say uh, I had a cousin who took us to Fort Lauderdale slash Miami. I that. last year yeah. for a bachelor party. And my man, I hope Kevin, I hope you are loaded because it is not a say, cheap trip.
1: Because because if you're going to if you're club hopping, bar hopping, I'm guessing there's a cover charge to each and every one. Correct.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think taking a bachelor party to Miami only, they, it must be a group of loaded guys. They must have money because otherwise, it's a jerk move. You should not be telling your friends. No, I mean, how, how many
1: covers yeah. did you probably have to pay? We only
0: paid one, but oh, one. Wow. The, uh, well, here's the thing. One, we stayed in Fort Lauderdale. We only went to Miami for a okay. night. And two, the guy whose bachelor party it was, was not a Miami guy at all. So he wasn't even wanting to go like club hopping at the Miami club. So that part worked out okay. What do you want but, to, do, to do? Watch the circus? I don't think he had any idea what Miami really was. I think he had a couple of buddies who, who were more into Miami than he was. And so that's kind of why we ended up there. It was fine. Um, I will say it would not be my choice, though. What What is your perfect? Well, the, the, bachelor the favorite party? one I
1: went on was was a friend of mine got married. Um, I was in the I was in the wedding party. Um, we did do the typical get a van and go club hopping. Mm. It was honestly a lot of fun. We brought his brother along. How old were you? Uh twenty three. Oh well, that may, that helps. Correct. And his brother, but his brother. <laughs> this is one of my favorite stories of all time. So his brother was sixteen or seventeen at the time. So we they didn't check for the wristband or whatever at the place because it's Cincinnati bars. You're just kind of bar hopping their West side. So we started West side, worked our way through downtown back when it's back in the day when Caddies was downtown. People remember that all those places down there. Um, and I think it was actually in Caddy's were one of our final stops. This is where two things happened. This is where he was at the bar, the young guy, he wasn't drink I think he was drinking. He might've, we might've snuck him a beer here and there, but he, and we had some beer on the, on the van, which yeah. is always, I've never understood that part of it. We're, we, not like you can't drink enough, for goodness sakes. Right. You gotta have more on the van. van. Yeah, but we did, so we had more on the van. So he had a couple there. So you staying at the bar, he might have been he was with me and there was another one other guy. I think we were waiting to order a beer. And he accidentally, and I mean this sincerely, he accidentally brushed a girl's ass. I mean he didn't mean he like moved his hand. Well, old boy with him went nuts and was gonna kick this poor little guy's tail, right? Yeah. Until who friend was with us who was also in the wedding party that we used to play softball with, is an ex Marine. That helps. An ex-Marine took my man's throat with two fingers and said, you will leave this bar right now. You will apologize to him or I will kill you where you stand. And I had, I grabbed his arm. I can still remember this.
0: Oh, because you were going to take the Marine back. Yeah, that was. I was going to try. Yeah, uh-huh. cause
1: honestly, I wasn't so sure he didn't mean it. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not going to let this happen to you and all of us. Yeah. I've never seen somebody quiver and back down like that guy back down. I mean, he grabbed his girl, and they were
0: gone. You're talking about the Marine backing down from Yale? No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. Yeah. The
1: guy backing down from the Marine. Thank goodness, because, I mean, <laughs> I, I can only imagine what might have happened. So that that led then, so we we, we couldn't get served. So that part of it, it took forever to get a beer. So I'm like, let's go around to this. We, so we ran out of the other place. What do I do? I decide this bar is understaffed. I hop the bar, start pouring myself a beer. <laughs> I've never seen more bouncers come out of anywhere. Really? Have you ever seen, I, you've seen it in movies where somebody literally gets tossed out of a bar? Yeah. I got tossed out of a bar. Yeah. <laughs> literally on my
0: ass. You were Jazzy from uh, The Fresh Prince <laughs> of Bel-Air. Correct, yeah, Just I, getting thrown out just the front get, of the mansion. Out the,
1: you, if you think you see that, you're like, nobody's ever gotten had that happen. Oh yeah, I, I had it happen to me. But I do, I think that's always a good one in, there should always be a stop in an entertainment zone, shouldn't there? Just a stop. It doesn't so, have to be. It doesn't have to be formal. You know, there's got to be a stop. There so, I, so
0: here's the thing. I am, uh, I am in the minority on this too. I am not a strip club guy. I am not a, a casino guy, and I'm not a golf
1: guy. Yeah, the casino one to me, if you're going to drink on top of it, chances are you're going to throw your money away. I, the golf one, I always like. I, I enjoy that. If you can golf into into. Get away to a casino weekend with with your guys. I, I think that could be fun. I, yeah, I, no, I, I have no problem with that.
0: I, I'm in the minority on it. I know a lot of guys. I mean a lot of the stuff go is golfing.
1: cliched. I'm not sure what else you can I mean, the cliches are the cliches. It's supposed to be the last fling for the Bachelor and um, you know, <laughs> it is what it is.
0: Yeah. I'm, I, those three things, the strip club, the casino and the golf, the, just not for me. I never really have that great of a time for it. I know some of my buddies like it. So I'm, when they want to do it, I'm fine with that. But like, if it was my bachelor party, if I was planning it, that would not be how I'd roll. So here is my, I'm not married yet. Believe it or not. I believe it. Uh- <laughs>
1: so if i do I, mean, I I haven't had many guys i know that have flipped the girl off of their lap or whatever or off onto, of, a, o- coffee onto the coffee table yeah, well, that, she put that, her feet on me by yes. accident yes yeah. well
0: I my mean, no, reaction She, she, she reaction yeah, yeah 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 she did it on purpose i did it by accident yeah, okay. kind of um i my plan is this i think one of the things that is outrageous about weddings is asking like all your friends to spend just ungodly amounts of money to like oh hey you gotta fly here for my bachelor party and then you've gotta buy a suit to be in my wedding. Yeah. And all I don't, this stuff.
1: That's like That's a lot. That's it's a big ass. That's it, a big ass.
0: Yeah, especially when you start talking about like your kids or your your friends are just having kids and like they've got young families and right. starting to implement budgets because they actually care about their money all of a sudden. Like that's kind of a crazy thing to do. So my plan is to hopefully get some of my good friends at NKU's athletic department to help me out with a little sweet action for an NKU game. Get all the buddies, I love, it. I love it. get all the buddies and, and the dads and everyone else, all the guys who want to come, come watch the NKU game, have a few pops there, BS, talk, watch hoops, enjoy a sporting event. Because to me, that's always been the best thing we've done on bachelor parties is a sporting event. When we okay. go to a sporting event, it's just a good opportunity for everyone to get loaded, quite yeah, honestly, yeah. and talk and BS. And and here's the other thing. It's not like there's no awkwardness between like having the dads and like the older guy. Because there's always some older guys in the family and some younger guys and when you want to mix them, there's some of the, the like going to bars, it's kind of hard to do that. Sometimes. Yeah, but I,
1: the bar hopping to me, I'm, I love people watching. So it's the, me different, too. it's the different bars that you can go to with different clientele. Like you go to a really nice bar for maybe a little bit, you go to a dive, you go to a medium one. And it's just different. It's different clientele um, on different sides. And that, I mean, honestly, I love the West side of Cincinnati. I, live in northern kentucky but i I had family there i just love the west side west side bar hopping's awesome it's just it's the best it is truly the best
0: so then after the nku game the plan is to have like a a a top applebee's area or
1: or, or fridays now
0: applebee's is not a bad idea for a little pbr you know i'm a big applebee's but that's that's the pregame for the nku Uh, game because that's always before nku games that's good luck fair enough but after that We are going to a bar. You rent out the top of it, have like a DJ, and invite all the women there. Because I'll be honest, like there's nothing that makes me feel more washed after 25. Like before 25, they were all fun. After 25, nothing makes you feel more washed than a bachelor party going out to like bars at 11 or 12 on a Friday and just being like, "We're old. We're creepy."
1: (laughs) And I'm tired. And we're getting tired. I'm tired.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that too. So I'm not in any of that. I think you invite the women. To everyone brings their significant other to the bar you end up at. There's a DJ, and also I have a pact with one of my good friends who used to make music back in the day. He was into hip-hop. He has signed a contract that he will perform at a bachelor party if I ever get married. So he is under contract no matter what age we're like at. He it. still has to perform. I like
1: it. 53-year-old.
0: Yeah, that what? could be
1: it. No, I dude, I'm at, on the road for Bengals Saturdays. We always go out as a group and have dinner and probably drink a little too much. And I'm the one guy that usually about 11.45 or midnight – I just find my way out of the bar. In fact, Catherine Terrell from ESPN Irish joked last goodbye. year in Kansas City. She said, "I looked up and you were just kind of wandering your way out." I said, "I hit the wall. And When you hit the wall, you just you just got to go. You just got Just got to call it a night, man. Yeah,
0: and that's a little better when you're out with like just." some colleagues have having a pop and it's like a real low key night. It's the worst when you're like trying to do the bachelor thing where you're like, we're still young. We still got it. And you're like acting like you're going out looking at girls. Like, what are you doing? I can get, I can
1: get after it as much as anybody can get after it. And then about a certain time of the night, it's, I got to go, man, I'm done. I've I've hit the wall of fatigue. Then
0: meanwhile, some like, 50-year-old, straggly-looking dude is like,
1: how do you think Xavier's going
0: to be this year at the bar? And it's like, yeah, I'm washed. Yeah, exactly. I'm so I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I've had
1: enough. <laughs> all right. All good as always, Rick. Enjoyed it. We'll be back one week uh, from today. Well, actually, less than a week from today. Um, right around trade deadline time, the Bengals will be immersed in camp. We'll have a lot to talk about on the next skinny podcast, the Pope edition. For Rick Brewing, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's presented by Joseph Chevrolet.